Welcome to this week's episode of the People Podcast. Are you in human resources, recruiting professionally, or an entrepreneur growing a team? This is the podcast for you. We are going to bring you all of the latest trends, technologies, and strategies to take your workforce to the next level. Implementing the tips and know-how will enable you to create and keep a world-class workforce. Here is your host, Jesse Tinsley. Well, I'll tell you about a secret weapon many startups are using to scale, Rippling. Every minute you spend updating your company's employee data and system is a minute that you don't spend on your core job. Thankfully, now there's Rippling. It's the platform that combines all your HR and IT systems together. And when you combine HR and IT, magic happens. Imagine if you could hire someone in 90 seconds to take care of all of their HR, payroll, health insurance, 401ks, all of it, just handled. And the same goes for your IT. When you hire someone, you can order their computer and instantly their accounts and all the apps you use like Gmail, GitHub, and Slack all in one unified onboarding flow. That's how easy Rippling makes running your business. It's also why Rippling won PC Mag's Editor's Choice Award and is the top-rated HR and IT software on G2 Crowd. Stop burning valuable time on admin work. Use Rippling and your HR and IT will run like a well-oiled machine. So if you're looking for an easier way to supercharge your employees, go to rippling.com. Matt, thanks so much for joining me on the People Podcast. Sure thing. Yeah. Uh, just to get started, can you give the audience a quick intro to your background? Yeah, let's see. What are the prudent points? I'm Canadian, but I got an American passport so I could vote. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, came out to the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, originally to work for Apple. Uh, kind of during the golden years, I was there for the launch of the iPhone and a bunch of other cool things uh, for about seven years. And then got my green card and started a company a month later. And that was called Inkling. I was the CEO there. We were a Sequoia-backed enterprise software business, ran it for nine years and sold it. And then took some time off to reflect on the universe, find my place in it, and ended up here at Rippling at the behest of one of my best friends in the world, Parker Conrad, who's our CEO. And just today, as we're recording this, is my one-year anniversary in the job. So there you go. Congrats. That's awesome. It's definitely a big milestone. And, and just for those of us that don't know what Rippling does, if you could give a quick overview of Rippling, that'd be great. Yeah, we're an all-in-one HR and IT software platform that makes it way easier to run your business. We eliminate the administrative burden of you know, managing apps and employees joining and leaving and being promoted and do payroll, benefits, apps, administration, identity, all in a single system for small and medium businesses. And it's been a, a rip-roaring success so far. Kind of crazy how much fun it's been in the last year. Yeah, definitely sounds like you guys have been having a ton of momentum. In regards to like employee like privacy and data, maybe you can talk a little about that like from a value prop standpoint. Yeah, the, the core issue that, that we solve comes back to kind of an original sin, which is that companies hire people to shuffle data about their employees around manually. So you, know, you think about every time you onboard a new employee, you offboard an employee, somebody gets a promotion and they move into a different department. You know, this all kicks off a whole bunch of busy work. Let's say that just take credit cards, for example, they're issued a corporate card and then they move into a new department and their spending limit has to be changed. Well, somebody has to remember to manually go in and change that spending limit. If they need to get access to Salesforce because they're in the sales team, if you know they become a sales manager and they, they have to you know be now in a position to approve deals as opposed to just uh, edit them, you know that kicks off a whole bunch of manual labor, and this becomes a huge security risk for businesses because 
you know, who's got access to what is, uh, is super important, particularly when you're talking about employee offboardings. But in general, right, the way companies deal with this overhead is they hire people and those people make it at least, you know, a significant chunk, half their day to go in and run these checklists across all of these different systems. And what we do is automate all of that away. So literally, you know, from onboarding to offboarding for the complete employee lifecycle, Rippling talks to all of these other software systems. We're integrated with over 300 systems now to automate the settings changes, the, you know, account management, all that kind of stuff. And it just, it sucks a ton of the busy work out of the daily life of people in both HR and IT teams. And if you want, we can talk about why that's interesting for small and medium businesses in a, in a way that it's different for, for large enterprises. We can talk about how that, that helps with security. We can talk about how it helps with the lives of the HR professionals who otherwise have to deal with this stuff manually. But that's kind of the core idea. And we've sort of nailed it from a product standpoint, which is why we're doing so well. That's great. I think automation is definitely the way of the future for a large part of most organizations. What are some like, uh, do you guys have like white paper or studies you guys have done in terms of like increasing efficiency within HR and IT teams? We haven't done studies because to be honest, sort of the, the biggest study there is are customer reviews, you know, on public websites yeah. like Gartner or whatever. And another reason we don't invest a ton in kind of formal studies is, you know, quite frankly, I don't often believe those. I'm much more inclined to hear from a customer that it changed their lives. And we're buying a product ourselves. We want to hear from other customers more than we want to hear from analysts or you know, paid studies. But the crux of your question around, like, have we been able to demonstrate that it works or that it does change the way businesses operate? I think in the thousands of companies that now use the platform and the fact that they give us five-star reviews on all these websites is probably the single biggest piece of evidence. The other point that I'll make is, you know, for large enterprises, they often want these studies to kind of justify their decisions. But we serve companies, you know, with a thousand employees and, you know, or smaller or bigger, but, you know, kind of centered around a few hundred to a, to a few thousand employees. And, in those businesses, the decision makers are the CEOs, the heads of HR, and they don't have time for studies. What they have time for is, you know, product demo, product referrals, and, you know, a high sense of conviction themselves that this is going to change the way they do business and they make a decision themselves. And so that's the audience we serve. And so we speak their language. That totally makes sense. And what are some of like the trends that you guys are seeing in the HR and IT space, especially with everything that's going on in the world and workplace right now? Yeah, I mean, obviously the COVID health emergency and the fact that we're all working from home is changing a lot about the way that companies are thinking about personnel and thinking about the way they manage their teams. We don't think that the move to, you know, work from home is a permanent one in the sense that, you know, people are not going to want to come to the office and be close to one another, have social experiences. We think that ultimately the world is going to revert to some version of its pre-COVID configuration with some really notable differences. You know, there'd be a lot higher degree of tolerance around work from home simply because we're building the infrastructure to support it. I think from a cost perspective in these areas like New York, San Francisco, where labor expenses were super high and everybody was hyper-concentrated into a small geography, that we're going to see a relaxation in that constraint. And so companies will be hiring people uh, in other geographies, as a, if only as a, as a matter of getting access to talent at a lower cost. You know, so there's going to be some changes. But in general, I think we're going to see people going to want to see each other at work every day. And so rippling, you know, either way, right, from a product capabilities perspective, obviously, I don't want to turn this into an infomercial, but it's like 
we do a lot of stuff that makes it really easy to onboard people remotely. You can execute the I-9 employee verification remotely. You can automatically order and ship their laptop. You know, the, the HR or the IT people don't have to do anything to make that happen. It just sort of click a button and it automatically is shipped out to them encrypted with all of their apps pre-installed and all of their accounts ready to go. And we make it super easy to deal with employees who are spread out all over the country. But, you know, over time, the core benefit of the product around, you know, being able to manage users and, and access to systems and identities of those employees, kind of regardless of where they is, holds true whether you're remote or whether you're all in one place. I think that the interesting trend right now toward work from home is important. It's going to have a lasting impact on the way we work. But I also don't think that the folks I see on Twitter saying the office is dead are right. I think that's actually a really cynical view of, of what's going to happen after all this. I totally agree. I think there's a lot of clickbait articles going on in regards to that. Totally. It's clickbait. And in addition to being clickbait, I think it's like the folks I see posting these things about, you know, the office is dead. It seems to be all the people who run businesses or who are associated with businesses that benefit from from remote work. And so it's these like self-serving, you know, proclamations in in the hopes that maybe it'll come true. And unfortunately, people are going to continue to be people, in my humble opinion. Right. I, I totally, I think that work, remote work, basically, it'll increase even after we go back into the workplace and there'll still be a certain subset, but you're still going to see a majority of workplaces uh, in a traditional work pl- work setting. Whether that's more distributed offices, I don't think everything is going to be 100% remote or even close to it right. empirically. Um, going back to your point about automation, though, I think it sounds like Rippling is well-positioned in regards to helping with distributed teams. or And I think what a benefit that is for employees is also that you have HR and IT team members that can focus on the high-touch parts of onboarding or offboarding employees as opposed to like the mundane, repetitive tasks. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, the mission statement of the company is to free smart people to work on hard problems. And if you've got a brain, you're smart. So you should be capable of taking on problems that move the business forward, whether it's as simple as like dealing with employee relations or implementing new policies and programs for your company. Like every minute of time that you spend going in and updating someone's account credentials in a third-party software application is time wasted, right? Like you're paid a salary to do good work for your company. And if you're chasing around someone's credentials, you're definitely not, you know, it's not a positive ROI (laughs) investment. It's It's a necessary evil. I think it's really fascinating about all of this, to be honest, is like, we've taken it for granted that there's going to be a single financial system of record. It could be simple as QuickBooks. It could be as advanced as SAP. And we've taken it for granted that there's going to be a single system of record for your customer data, right? Which is almost always Salesforce. And because you've had those single systems of record, you've been able to build really interesting applications around them with integrations. So take Salesforce as an example. Marketo is a really powerful marketing automation tool that could never have existed were it not for the fact that they could count on a single system of record for customer data in in the form of Salesforce. And there have been multiple multi-billion dollar companies built because Salesforce exists. It provides the ingredient, the magic ingredient to solving all of these other problems. And for employee data, I don't know if it's because HR people have been overlooked or if it's because it's a less sexy problem or what, but like we haven't given the same degree of attention to a single system of record for employee data. And what you cannot do, you can't just bolt this on. You can't be like, oh, we're a payroll system and we're going to slap on, 
these capabilities, right? You can't be like, oh, look, we're a benefits administration system. We're just going to slap on these other capabilities. It doesn't work like that. You've got to have a system that contemplates this role in the ecosystem from the very beginning. And then you can build payroll on top of that. And then you can build benefits administration on top of that. And then you can plug in all of these other systems. And I'd say for us, we're sort of in phase one of this journey in the way that Salesforce also had its phase one of being a single system of record. When people just started to build simple integrations to Salesforce for access to a little bit of data. And that's happening with us now, right? Where we're integrated. You know, I talked about a credit card example earlier. Brex integrates beautifully with Rippling so that Rippling has the ability to run reports about spending limits or to trigger events when somebody changes roles and has to have their spending limit updated or you know, you hire a new employee into the sales team and it automatically issues them their new Brex card. Like that's just one example of a slightly deeper integration that has magic because Brex could not do these things on their own. They need a system of record related to the employee in order to pull it off. And so this ecosystem that we're building around the platform is really what's going to change the way people work. So when you talk about automation, what I really hear you saying is like, there's a world of APIs. There's this like this trend in the industry around software systems talking to one another that really didn't even exist three or four years ago that we're now able to capitalize on to build some really killer capabilities with Rippling at the center. So the difference between a Rippling customer and a customer of another payroll provider is that that other customer is spending way more time on the manual labor, even if this sort of like a surface level capability that kind of smells like what Rippling can do. The truth is that the devil's in the details and and the Rippling customer has way more free time as a result of the automation. And the automation is a result of this whole trend around APIs and our ability to talk to all the other software systems that, that you use. It's fundamentally like a technology shift that's driving this trend in HR and, and kind of not the other way around. Yeah, that's fascinating. I think in terms of like data, what are you guys hearing from like customers in regards to like productivity increase, moving away from mundane repetitive tasks or just digging up information, in basically siloed systems? Because as you were saying, three to four years ago, or even a couple, like one or two years ago, I think one of the biggest problems in the HR tech space is basically there's a lot of closed APIs. And now with a bunch of modern technology moving into the space and modern companies, you're seeing a lot of open APIs, which I think is beneficial for employees and companies uh, empirically. So what are you guys seeing in terms of like, yeah, productivity increases? We're seeing like one of the, I think one of the biggest examples here is reporting. It doesn't sound sexy, but it's kind of the beating heart of the sorts of work that HR professionals do. And, And there's a reason for that. Every day in your business, you make decisions about stuff, right? You make a decision about whether to give somebody a promotion, you make a decision about whether to give somebody a raise. You make a decision about you know, core business strategy rooted in the reality of what's happening in your business today. And in order to make good decisions, you got to get access to good data. In order to get access to good data, you got to have a system that can generate reports for you. And the more cumbersome it is, and even worse, the more people who have to be involved in order for you to get that data, the less likely it is you're going to actually use that good data to make decisions. So Rippling has a killer reporting infrastructure. And what a lot of companies do is, is say, okay, well, you know, reporting is complicated. There's a lot of variables. You got to kind of know how to work a spreadsheet in order to get the data out. We're going to provide you with a bunch of examples, like a, a gallery of reports. 
And the problem is like no gallery report ever actually meets your need. And so you end up back in the sort of having to design stuff from scratch. But now you're like 80% of the way there and, <laughs> you know, you still don't know how to actually customize it. And so what we do instead is we kind of we're, we're downplaying or kind of doing away with the idea of a gallery of reports and providing you with a really approachable, easy to use, but really powerful reporting engine where you have to build or will build your custom reports, the things that you care about in your business, because every business is unique. And reporting just about the stuff that's in Rippling is, you know, X valuable. But being able to like build a pivot table with data from other applications with which we've integrated, for example, your performance management software for how people did on their performance, um, you know, on their feedback, or even just looking at things like how much data people are using in Google Drive or any whatever the data point is that they're going to come in and correlate, they can do that all within Rippling and we become a single hub for that. Data is the driver of good decisions. Good data is the driver of good decisions. And so our goal is not only to provide you with a really straightforward, easy to use reporting engine around employee data, but we believe the trend here has to be that you've got a single view of all of the correlated employee data across all applications in your business. And no one's ever done that before. No one's ever brought all of that stuff under one hood and you know, provided an engine to be able to manipulate the data in you know across all the different products that that employees touch. So this is one thing where where we think as a knock-on effect of this open API world, that when you can finally seamlessly bring all of this data under one roof, that you'll gain new insights in your own business and make better decisions. That's something that like I even do that today. I mean, I hop into Rippling myself at Rippling to look at Rippling data about Rippling employees to make decisions, I don't know, three or four times a week now as the chief operating officer. And I can't imagine, honestly, I can't imagine what my life would be like if I were using some other system where, you know, at best I could run a salary report (laughs) or something like that. Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point. I think obviously data is super valuable. And I think you brought up an interesting point around performance management. I think a lot of companies do promotion and basically look at like succession planning, but don't have a lot of data around it. It's basically like, oh, so-and-so has been here X amount of years. They've been great as a manager or director, but they might not be necessarily a great VP unless you have enough data to support that. What are you seeing in regards to like cultivating like a leadership bench through data? Yeah. You know, this starts to get over into the area of, you know, some of our partners. We work with 15.5. We have a good relationship with Lattice. And, you know, I would say that this is kind of X rippling in terms of the product itself, but in terms of how we run the company, my take on this is like, there's data in terms of numbers, and then there's just sort of conscious management. And I think that the best decisions around succession planning, promotions, those kinds of things are made by the manager who is closest to the detail of any given employee. I don't think that cultivating good culture in a business, and by the way, culture is, management is culture, culture is management. Like the distinction between the two is very hard to tease apart. I think good culture in a company, good management in a company almost never comes from a spreadsheet, almost never comes from performance reviews or performance management software. I don't think there's any magical way to scale it. I think it comes from good judgment and the judgment is driven by good detail-oriented observation in the trenches with your team. And that's how I like to think about the problem. It's an unsexy response to the question of data and culture building, company building, performance management, that kind of thing. But I 
I think the human brain is probably the best available tool for assessing other human beings for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I totally agree. I think in terms of like data within like hiring specifically, there's a ton of analysis that goes into that specifically around like what you said, which is basically people that are closest to the position. So let's say we're hiring for like a VP of sales, basically the person that's closest to that position knows it the best through like empirical data at Facebook and Google and other companies is shown that those people are the best indicators of who's a strong hire. So I definitely agree. Same thing probably plays out in promotion cycles as well. So what are you saying? Like, what are some of the best ways for like companies to set themselves up for like success with leadership succession planning overall, like taking data aside? Leadership succession planning, you know, to define the term, to me, it means who's going to take your job. You know, if your person X, who's next in line to take your job so that you can in turn take the job of your boss and your boss can then in turn take the job of her boss and so forth until you get to the CEO. And you know, I've made the joke that like, as a management team, we're doing our job when our CEO kind of has nothing left to do. But what I really mean is he's got nothing left to do except for the things that he uniquely can do. I happen to be at the moment reading Titan, which is the biography of John D. Rockefeller Sr., who was a maniac <laughs> in a whole bunch of different ways. He was a he was a crazy person. He was a crazy competitor. I would not have wanted to be his adversary. But he, he had a saying from, he clearly had a knack for management. And even in his 20s, all the way through his career at Standard Oil, he said, you know, you should not lift a finger to do anything that someone else could do. And what he meant by that is like, you know, if, if you take that to the limit, you delegate anything you can possibly delegate, and then you should spend all of your time on those things that you absolutely cannot delegate. And when you tie this back to succession planning, it's pretty clear. Like the implication is that your next hire, you know, this is not strictly true, but your next hire should almost always be the person who's going to do your job. And then you go and do more important things until you got an open headcount and, you know, you got to hire somebody in to do those things. Strictly speaking, of course, you got to get people at all levels. And there's lots of times when you got to get doers, but one of the most critical failings of new managers, critical failings of people who kind of get stuck in terms of, you know, why they're not moving up in an organization. And certainly when you're in a high growth, high scale company like Rippling, one of the biggest mistakes you can make is to get caught flat footed when the company needs more of you, because there's only one or two things that are going to happen when you are no longer doing the job sufficiently. You are going to hire somebody in to take your job and you're going to move up or you're going to get a boss. They're the only two options. And when you put it in those terms, most managers realize that succession planning is largely the act of hiring yourself into a role so that you can graduate. And there will be, I'm sure, plenty of time. I've been at the company now a year, as I said, and I'll be here for another 10, I hope. And as we scale up, as long as I do my job from a succession planning standpoint to always make sure I've hired my way out of my job, I'll continue to have the privilege of serving as the chief operating officer here. But I bet in you know many cases over the next 10 years, I'm going to have to have tough conversations with managers who have failed to do that. And the explanation will be, you know, let me introduce you to your new manager. Right. It's such an interesting conversation around startups too, because as a startup grows, right, R Rippling is, I think you guys are 100 people roughly right now. Is that right? 
Uh, no, we're about 250. 250, wow, way off. So 250, and then when you guys go to 1,000 or 5,000, that job of COO is always evolving and changing. And I think that's quite a challenge, right? Either people like yourself, they grow into that next level role of COO of a 5,000 person org, or you basically hire your placement. And I think companies, especially startups, should always think about the next five, 10 years succession planning. So bring up a lot of valuable insight there. Yeah, although I do think that succession planning I think it's tempting to think about it over a long-term horizon, but to do so is probably not, you know, it, it probably makes you feel better than what it's actually worth because my take is that succession planning is actually about next week. It's actually about next month. It's like really close in. When you think about how you're spending your time today as a leader, if today there were some way for you to be able to delegate anything delegatable to someone b- b- below you, then it's, it is like, you know, back to John Rockefeller. It's like, it is your responsibility to delegate that thing. You should not be working on things that you could be delegating. And, and succession planning isn't the act of sort of thinking about who's going to have my job five years from now. It really ought to be more about thinking about who's going to have my job five days from now and continuously iterating on the answer to that, you know, with every staffing decision you make. That's great. Yeah, no, totally agree. Matt, it's been great having you on the podcast. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they want to learn more about yourself or reach out and learn about Rippling? Oh, man. You know, about Rippling, that one's easy, rippling.com. And about me, you know, if you want to get sort of a cranky, humorous version of me, I guess you can follow me on Twitter at Stanine, S-T-A-N-I-N-E. Awesome. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. But otherwise, I just sort of hang around reading really long books and, and keep to myself. So I'm, I'm happy to be interrupted, but uh, yeah, not, not much of a public profile probably by design. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast and looking forward to chatting again soon. This week's episode has now come to an end, but our content doesn't end here. Head over to jessetinsley.com where you can find more valuable resources to hire and keep the ultimate workforce. That's jessetinsley.com.